0: We are in our series, How to Church. Uh, We've been in that for the last several weeks. Uh, The Lord has led us through this series to talk about the need for healthy leadership in the body of Christ and to also talk about how we behave as believers, um, that we essentially play a role for one another um, in our lives. And leadership in the church is important. We also talked about our responsibility as a family. And one of the messages that was a really key message for me and I believe for our church as well, is a message that I preached several weeks ago about unity. It's about the idea that our job as believers is to foster unity, encourage unity, and then at all costs, create and maintain unity to find that place where we are unified, because what we do is really important, amen? So we've got to be unified. Today is our final message in the series, How to Church, and I've titled it this, You Need Us. Now, I know, just take that with a grain of sugar, because that seems like, what? You need us. I'll explain myself through this, but my thought was this. There's this idea that... that we find ourselves sometimes in the place of saying well they just need us they 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 need my my help they need my volunteering they need my service they need they need they need but here's the deal we don't think about the fact that each one of us has a responsibility and actually a god-given it's innate it's inherent in us that god wants us to know that we need each other. It's not just that you have a gift to give in the offering or your time or your service here in the giftings of the church, music or anything else. It's that you actually need the body of Christ yourself. And so we would be, we would be crazy to think that we don't need the body of Christ. Um, I was thinking recently about James uh, Flagg. He's the gentleman, Maddie, if you'll put that picture up, he's the gentleman that designed this uh, poster that shows up in World War I Uh, they They were putting posters and flyers everywhere over little cities and everywhere. They were inundating the community. And this guy right here is Uncle Sam, okay? It's based on a historical character. But they've got him dressed up, and he says, I want you for the U.S. Army. And then it's got a listing for the nearest recruiting station. It was meant as an appeal for patriots to say, oh, they need me. I'm going to go, and I'm going to respond. We were in turmoil in a time of world war, where powers were fighting against one another, and we needed to shore up our defenses. We needed to get more people, and so that guy is the guy who they used as the character to say, hey, we need you. Come join us. It was meant as an appeal for them, and I think often the church portrays itself sometimes as Uncle Sam. Not not with the money item. Uh, April 15th or 17th is coming. Make sure you do your taxes. But we, we, we kind of take the approach sometimes, which I think is unhealthy, to say, I want you. I want you. you uh, come on, come on. I need you. And we take that approach, and albeit healthy in some respects, I think sometimes it goes too far. While it's true that we do need you, there is a more significant truth embedded in this thought, and the truth is that you need us. Thinking in this way causes me to understand my need for others, not just their need for me. If I only ever think that the church needs me, I'll be unhealthy. But when I realize that I need the church, I have an inherent need to belong, to fellowship with, and to do life together with those and with others who have been called to the same place and the same season as I have, then all of a sudden, my life gains traction. We see that life change is contagious, so when you experience a life change in your own self as a result of hearing a message and finding fellowship and becoming part of the life of the church, when you do that, it's kind of like those bald tires on your vehicle all of a sudden got replaced by new, brand new tires with new tread and you start to get traction to head off in the right direction. And here's the thing, we get to head off in that direction together. So we, we together are stronger and better I want you to go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which we've referenced quite a bit throughout this message series, we've talked um, about the body of Christ from this portion of scripture. And I have three verses that I want to reference today. Verse 12 says this, and it'll be on the screen for you as well. Reading from the English Standard Version, it says, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Paul the Apostle, with the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, guided by his wisdom, is writing this letter to the church at Corinth to give them a very practical take on what the body of Christ is is. He gives this image of a body. Now, if you had to count the parts of my visible body, you would count my legs, my toes, my fingers, my head. We'd come up with 10 to 12 items. Inside of my rib cage though, there's a lot more of me, right? Inside of your body, underneath your skin is muscle tissue, cells, veins. There are different systems that help run the body. All of those are super important. And so when he goes into 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he launches into this statement for them to make sure that they understand that it's just like your physical body. So today, as elementary as that may sound, I want to preach out of this passage and help you gain a a better understanding about what the body of Christ is meant for and what it's meant to do. Chapter 12, skipping down to verse 18, we'll have it on the screen for you. It says this, but as it is, God has arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. In other words, the body cannot just be a hand with fingers. It's got to be a fully functioning body. We joked about several weeks ago, the Lever 2000 soap commercials, talking about it cleans all 2,000 parts of you, okay? There are lots of parts to the body of Christ as well. So we talk about that in the idea of serving here in the church, but what I want to get into your mind this morning is the idea that you actually need the attachment to the other parts of the body. I love what it says here. My wife and I talked about this this week in verse 18. It's God's doing. Yeah, right. you, you need to let that sink in. It says there very clearly, God has arranged the members in the body Each one of them as he chose. Can you imagine, just if you will for a second, imagine being completely dysfunctional and having a hand where one leg should be and one leg where one hand should be? God is an amazing designer. He has designed us to be able to work and function. The human body is absolutely incredible. What it can take and what it can do, it's just amazing. And I don't know if you've ever thought about that, or maybe it's been a while, but maybe you've heard of a woman named Valerie Thompson. She was in the news just in the last few days. She happens to hold the world record for women's motorcycle land speed. She survived a horrific crash In this wide open space that they were doing these tests, and she hit 343 miles per hour on a motorcycle and she crashed. If you get into a minor fender bender, there are issues that people have complained about with their neck, and there are issues for years and years and years. And this woman, it's really a work of God. There's no other explanation. She literally walked away almost completely unscathed. Not a single broken bone in her body. You can watch the video. It is horrific. She makes a slight... Uh, Turn or adjustment to be able to uh, get to where she's going and as she does that at such a high speed She literally goes end over end sideways and skids and the parachute comes out and all this crazy stuff And she literally walks away without a broken bone The human body can take a lot of pressure So I I say that to to give you an example of what the human body is so that you understand what the spiritual body of Christ is is able to accomplish. I was reading about this man. His name is Stig Stevenson. He holds the world record for holding his his breath underwater. How many of you think you can hold your breath underwater for a while? Anybody good at that? Okay. When you were a kid, I know you tried. You went under the water and you were like, hey, look at me. And you were trying and then you counted to 30 and you're like, (gasps) you know, you couldn't breathe after that. This guy held his breath underwater and it's proven, videoed, timed, 22 minutes. Without passing out, 22 minutes. You can watch that video online as well to see the World Guinness the Guinness book world record holder who could do that. There's a, there, there is a slight trick to it. They take pure oxygen, <clears throat> inject it through a mask before he goes down. So he's taking in nothing of the atmospheric air that we breathe. He's taking in pure 100% oxygen for a few moments. And then he goes down to the bottom of the pool and then he sits and he floats and they literally, they're counting because he breaks his own record of 21 minutes and something, he broke it by more than a minute. The human body is crazy how how we can be able to accomplish things like that. And think about what a team can do. Together, a team can do. And if you've ever seen the videos, I love watching some of those things, like the world's strongest man and stuff like that. You see these guys pulling a 747 jet with chains on them as they're walking down a runway. That is absolutely incredible and something I will never do. (laughs) But here's the deal. If we talk about the feats of a human body, I have to believe that the spiritual body of Christ who serves a supernatural God, who it said of him all throughout scripture, that nothing is impossible with him, that the sky is the limit for this body as well. And we've got to receive that encouragement from Paul's writing to say there is nothing that the body unified, connected, working together in the right way, in the right direction. There is nothing that we cannot do with God's help. We are unstoppable. So we can accomplish some incredible things if we're united. When the apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth about the people who make up the church, he gives them that idea of the body. And when he says he's arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose, I wanna highlight that for one more moment. The first thing I think about in that single verse is this, God is responsible for the design and arrangement in the body. You may not like the person who's connected to you, All right, y'all gonna have to go get some sugar packets and take this, all right, as we go. You may not like it, but God has arranged people in the body to be with you. They're people to challenge you, to encourage your growth, to help you walk through hard times, to help you see the truth in the moment of emotionalism. They are there as the body of Christ to help surge you in the right direction and get you, the Bible says, spur you on to growth and to good works. We as the body of Christ have a job to do for one another. The second thing is this, if that wasn't enough clarity, Paul says God did it the way that he likes it. There's not a whole lot of argument that you can do with that. I mean, you could, but it's futile. He has arranged the body and put you where you are. He has chosen you to be in the body. So the analogy of the body demonstrates that not only do I need you, but also that you need me and that you need us. We together are much better than a single functioning member of the body. So you need us and thinking or behaving contrary to that truth is not healthy. There are a couple ways that people think or behave that's contrary to this truth. I wanna give you five of them. I've found them in life. You can find examples of them throughout scripture as well. But I'm gonna give you what I believe are at least five key things that people think wrongly or behave unhealthy when it comes to their understanding of you need us, the body of Christ together. So the first one is this. That would be what I call the uncommitted. This is the uncommitted believer that says God is part of my life, and but I don't really need to commit to a church The Bible says very clearly, you do. that you need to find a place, and that all throughout, literally every analogy that's used for spiritual life in scripture has a connectivity aspect. There's this thought in the Psalms, I love it, in Psalm 23, where he talks about the Lord leading him beside still waters. And then there's other places where not only as a sheep and that kind of thought, but there as a root system that we are the planting of the Lord, the Bible says. And some of us have gotten shallower roots than we should. Because we haven't yet committed. Now, I say that because I'm going to tell you, if you would like to find out more information about our church and how to get involved, we're so excited. We have Starting Point. It's coming up in just three weeks. It's Saturday the 14th. We're going to have an opportunity for college students, for anyone of any age, to come hear what we believe as a church, find out the opportunities to serve, and to jump in because you need us That's what's so awesome about this. But the uncommitted, they're unhealthy. God says very clearly that you need to be part of a family. I love the fact that God is a family man. Number two, and this is really weird to talk about in church. Number two, go ahead and put that up. The open marriage concept. All right, what? What are you talking about? This is proven throughout human history literally in every generation of time to be a perversion of God's plan and design for relationship. And yet we have believers who treat the church as if they have an open marriage. Well, I'm going to go to that church for this need. I'm going to go to this church for that place. I have a dear, dear friend, dear to this day, one that I would call my best friend in life. I've known him now for 20 years, Um, I did his wedding for him an incredible guy follows the lord loves the lord with all his heart He was a a few years younger than me and he helped sponsor and uh, he was my help Helper I guess you'd say my youth volunteer in youth ministry in new jersey And I remember him being really excited about so-and-so church is doing this event and -and so-and-so church has got that event And -and so-and-so and he was so excited and wanting to go to all of those things. He was stretched super thin When I talk to him about the idea of being planted, and it's not a desperate move on my part. I'm not saying it has to be here. I'm just saying God says it's got to be somewhere. Because here's the deal. If I'm close in relationship to you, you can know when something's going wrong in my life. When I have accountability and friendship, then people are able to say, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. What's going on? when we have that kind of function. But if we're just going all over the place, doing what we want when we want it, there's a real challenge there. So we've got to find a place. And I love our college students. Look around at these young faces. There's a whole row of them right here. Let's give them a hand clap. I am so proud of them. They're scattered throughout here. Miss Becca, wave at us. She's the director for our Chi Alpha ministry. We love Chi Alpha. And I love, Becca, I want to tell you something publicly in front of this whole church. I love you, and I love your heart for ministry. I have always thought, man, that's such a blessing. It's something that we didn't have before, and I don't know how we'll ever fill those same shoes if you ever leave. But I know this. God put you in this body for me and for you. And for all of them, and she leads and directs these college students. But here's what I'm getting at besides that momentary (laughs) excitement, which I'm really, I want to make sure she knows that we love her is this thought. We've got college students who have committed to our church during the time that they're here. They're committed. You saw them up here, Sarah, playing the guitar. You you see them in their commitment, living that out. Even though they've got a home church, we're their home away from home. They don't have 17 homes away from home, okay? We shouldn't because it's not healthy. We've got to have that understanding. So this is the person that's not anchored or committed anywhere, and they come and go as they please, and they don't have roots or consistent patterns in their life. But God knows I need that, and so do you. So he puts you in a family. Amen. The third one is this the childless, not mindless. I'm so sorry. That's a typo on my part. You got a brain. God gave it to you. I'm so excited about that. Um, Let me take a moment, and everybody, would you turn around and look there at Maddie? Let's give her a hand clap. She is awesome. She is awesome. We're so thankful. She actually, with Eric, who's serving in another room today, they lead our youth ministry in our church. Are you getting what I'm saying? It takes more than me and it takes more than you. And I'm so thankful. I've told her and Eric, I'm so thankful. We've seen the development of a youth ministry start to happen. We're going to install a fire pit out here this week so that they have a place where they can hang out. Chi Alpha can use it too for their nights that they come here. It's gonna, it, we are doing something that we've never done before in our time for something that we never had before in our time. And that's an awesome thing. So that all to say, she fixed it. Look, it says the childless, okay? So she's quick on that button back there. The childless, those are those who don't reproduce. So the challenge is here, if we're talking about a healthy perspective of how we're supposed to behave as believers in the body of Christ I'm going to tell you something, you really ought to take these and hand them out this week. This is what brings you a child. This is how we reproduce. It may not be meeting someone and having 45 minutes of uninterrupted conversation in the middle of the Kroger Deli, and then kneeling down on the floor and saying, yes, Jesus, I want you in my life. I don't know that it's ever happened like that, but it does happen because of an invitation we have, we have a, a woman who's not here with us this morning. Uh, she's out today, but she has been inviting people. She's just crazy enough to like this place and keeps telling people about it. That is a way for us to bear fruit or children. God has given us as the body of Christ. I know this is a weird way to put it, but he's given us as the body of Christ the ability to reproduce. And that responsibility does not lie with me as your pastor it lies with me as a believer and it lies with you as a believer, each one of us. So it's not necessarily, hey, let's bring them to the big show, it's, hey, let me share my life with them, my faith with them, and let me develop that idea in their heart until they have that hunger for the truth because really evangelism is everyone's job. So sharing your faith and the hope that you have is actually easier than you think. You ought to give it a try this week. It's it's really simple. Um, we, we have a good relationship with our neighbors. Uh, we live in an apartment complex and, um, one of them that's been there as long as we have, they were there before we got there. Uh, I saw them really well dressed yesterday. And I said, I called out to the lady and I said, Hey, y'all look really nice. Where are you guys headed? And her face turned to me and she was very, very sullen, like no, no look of excitement or anything. And I said, Oh, I said, Marilyn, I said, what's wrong? And she told me a story about how they're going to a funeral. Her her niece was hit by a car. An accident happened here in Jackson back this past Monday and that uh, she had passed away and that they were going to do that. And I I took that moment and opportunity to tell her, Marilyn, I promise you today, my family will be praying for you. They're believers and they go to another church. But I said to them, it's that human touch of just being able to say, you know what, my faith is unified with your faith in this moment. And so we've got to have those those bridges that we walk over with people, whether they're believers or not believers. I will say this little caveat, don't go poaching people. I don't want what's at other places. I want people who need Jesus to show up here because God called them and because you brought them, not because you said, hey, my church is better than your church, okay? Okay. Um, so give it a try this week. Okay, the fourth one. It's the baby. I probably don't have to say much about this, but I'm going to, because that's what you're here for, is for me to teach and to preach. The baby is the person who elevates their preference to the place of highest priority, they, they want what they want, and they're not going to stop until they get what they want. And if you did something wrong, they're going to be really mad about it. They're going to take their toys and go home. That is not scriptural behavior for a believer in the body of Christ. So if you've got junk to work out, you work it out together. But I'll give you the example. We've talked about it recently, but if we were to change the flooring in here and thank God, take out this pink carpet, when we do that, not if, when, in Jesus' name, we do that, um, we're not going to have arguments about colors. We, we've done wise things before where we've taken samples and we've actually walked with interior designers and said, hey, what color, you know what, we really can't afford to have you do a full consult, but can you tell us, do these colors work together? and then go ask two or three more, and then get a good sample of wisdom. We don't get a sample of preference. The baby is the one who's screaming in the high chair, banging it, saying, enough is not enough. I need more, or wanting their preference, and they're mowing over anybody else. The Bible speaks plainly about maturity, though, and that we're all supposed to be maturing in our faith. So we've got to see it in this light because Ephesians chapter four, where it says God in his sovereignty has given giftings to people in the body of Christ to be apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. Those together are a systematic function in the body of Christ. And it says, it goes further in the next few verses in chapter four, verse 13. It talks about this significant truth that our job is to move you on to maturity. A baby doesn't want to go there. A baby doesn't want to move to maturity. Sure they get excited about crawling and then walking and that kind of thing, but if you force it, they're they're not wanting any of it. You know, you've seen them, you've had them maybe. So don't be a baby. Be a friend to the person who might be a baby. Maybe you're connected with other people in other churches and you've heard babyish stuff. If I had a dollar for every babyish thing I've ever heard in the walls of a church, I would be so rich. Help them through it. If you say, it's not me, pastor. I'm not the baby. I'm a mature believer. Then by all means, by the grace of God in this challenge today, go and help them mature. Help them see the light of day and that it could be different and that vegetables aren't all that bad. (laughs) Number five is this this is a, a, um, a, a term that we would use in the medical field talking about anatomy, and it is this, the atrophied. If you experience muscle atrophy, it literally, that word literally means the wasting away of a portion, okay? So uh, for a person who maybe is hospitalized and they've been bedridden, uh, we have people in the medical field throughout this church and today, here, present, um, they can tell you about the idea of people getting bed sores for staying too long in a bed They can tell you about the muscle uh, Loss that they have I read a story recently about a high schooler who had a surgery that had to happen uh, As a result of an injury and then as soon as he was cleared He got back out to the field to start practicing again and he couldn't do anything right He he! literally, he couldn't run the laps they were running, couldn't do the drills they were doing. He couldn't do any of that until he trained himself to get back up to activity and motion because his muscles had atrophied from not being used. Sure, he did physical rehabilitation and that kind of stuff, but it was not like it was before. It took a lot of work. And here's what I say when we talk about the body of Christ. The atrophied person is a person who's not serving or actively participating in the life of the church. Tom Rainer is a leader for the Baptist churches, and he leads the organization called Lifeway. If you've ever driven up and seen Lifeway Christian Stores, he's the CEO of that company. He wrote a book called I Will, and he says this, and I thought it was so good to be shared today in this idea. If you are not serving in your church, you are not a legitimate church member if a member of the body loses its function, it is of no use to the body. He said it. <laughs> the atrophied muscle will waste away and literally become unusable if we're not careful. So if you're not serving, let this be a challenge to get involved. Getting involved is really simple. You can cook a meal. You can drop off food. We do Wednesday night family meal. You can come and hang out and literally just buy a bag of Tostitos. And in doing so, you'll benefit the body of Christ. You'll get fellowship and you'll be part of something. You can literally, that literally, if that's your only function, and we understand busy life, people living out of this area, if your only function currently is to be able to give, and supply for the needs of the church through this, then by all means, do it and be faithful to do it. Whatever it is that you can do in the body of Christ, do it. But here's my challenge to you. The oftentimes thought is, I'm probably doing too much in my life. We're, pre- we're, we're pretty busy. We're just really, really busy. But when it comes to the church, sometimes we're not busy enough. Maybe we're not serving in the way that we should in the church, and so I've said it to parents throughout my youth ministry days all the way through till now I tell them listen mama, don't you cut church out I talked to our coaches this week even at cca clinton christian academy And I said listen you push and practice all the way till x amount of time makes it really hard for people to get to church Let's make sure they get to church. We're trying to build them as spiritual people as well. You've got to take charge of your own life and make sure you're doing that. And the way you can do that is not be atrophied, but be active. So here's what we should be shooting for. This last one is awesome. It is the mature. The mature believer is what we're all trying to aim for and become. Go with me to Hebrews chapter five before we wrap up. And I want to give you a couple more things about this. The mature believer. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 through 14, the writer of Hebrews says, he's he's basically in the earlier verses, verse 1 through 10, he's talking about a specific point of theology. And he says that, I got to tell you that ahead of time so that you know what he's talking about in verse 11. He says about verse 1 to 10, about this we have much more to say, but it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. The word of God came clearly to my heart. Even the ear can be atrophied. We can become dull of hearing. Maybe we're hearing too much noise. Maybe we're not listening to the right voice. We had that series on frequency and tuning into God's voice. We've got to take time to do that. Here it says, there's so much more to say to you, but it's hard to tell you because you become dull of hearing. Verse 12, he says this, for though by this time you ought to be teachers... I'm going to tell you something. If you read those verses every day this week and just thought about those verses, you would grow spiritually. It is, there's so much, pardon the pun, meat to be had in that section of scripture. Solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by the constant practice. It's talking about exercise to distinguish good between evil. So we've got to understand it in this way. And here's the truth the truth of the matter is, the mature allow their biblical perspective to supersede their emotions. The Bible is clear. And I got to tell you, my wife and I were talking about something else recently. And we talked about the, the idea that she grew up in a pastor's home. And she said, honey, until I heard this message preached by your father years ago in his church, I never knew it even existed. And I've read the Bible. I've read it cover to cover. I've followed through. I grew up in a pastor's home. I didn't see that truth that's there. And here's what I'll tell you what it is. So it's not a mystery. You can look it up yourself. It's Matthew chapter 18. It gives you an actual layout for how to handle disagreement within the body of Christ. And when somebody does something wrong to you, because that happens, you've done something wrong to someone and something, someone has done something wrong to you at some point in your life. And God is so practical. He says, this is how you actually work it out. Take this step-by-step process and see if I don't move through this whole thing. That's his his idea. So the mature allow their biblical perspective, what I see with faith, to supersede the emotion that I feel in this moment. The next thing the mature do is they don't amputate themselves. This is a mature message for a mature crowd. And if you have to think about that for later and think back through this message or listen to it again, you can listen to it online or through the podcast I wanna challenge you to understand this, you taking your toys and walking away is not healthy for anyone. It's not healthy for you, the person you're disagreeing with, anything like that. The idea of amputation is drastic. I have met people who are paraplegics and who have had amputations done as a result of war and other things or accidents and things like that. They've lost the functionality of the fullness of their body. And I'm telling you, church, there are people that there will always be a temptation to just say, you know what? I'd just be better off to just cut this off and be done with it. And we do that in the medical field because we're like, ah, the appendix is bothering you. Let's take it out. You can live without it. But listen, God didn't give you the knife he didn't give you the skill to amputate yourself. So literally you just, it's chaotic and dirty and ugly when you just uproot yourself, you get dirty and messy and weakened. In fact, when you detach, you actually give yourself over to the enemy. The scripture is clear that when you detach yourself from the body that God puts you in and he designed you to be part of, bad stuff happens. So you ought to make sure, and I say this to you because you think, well, pastor, I'm, I'm here. I'm staying. I, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm telling you this message is a timeless message to be able to help you in whatever struggle you have because there's a temptation when somebody hurts you really, really bad to just go, but the mature stay and they work through it. The mature trust God and the authority that God has placed over them. The fourth thing that the mature do is they work it out, come hell or high water, whatever it is, whatever disagreement, sin, issue, challenge, whatever it is, they work it out. And the mature know that they need other members in order to make the body work. So membership here in our church is really important. It's really important because it's for those who sense a call to celebrate church, it's for those who also strive to live a life of purity and holy conduct as defined by the Bible. It's for those who tithe and contribute financially to the work that we're doing here. That's what membership is. The benefits are numerous. The ability to have someone to have a shoulder to cry on or an arm to link with in the middle of the battle that you face is literally priceless. In our church, according to the way that we've set it up, membership can actually be terminated. And we don't talk about this very often. It's not fun to talk about. But I I would be remiss if I didn't mention what we look for in the qualification of a member is someone who is a believer who wants to be part of the body and who's pitching in who's serving, who's being part of the body. But membership can be terminated when somebody's conduct or their lifestyle violates the Bible and they refuse correction because correction comes in the body of Christ. We've gotta be corrected because we're not perfect. I have been corrected. You will need to be corrected at some point in your life. Our life is filled with corrective action because that's the way God designed it so that we can grow to maturity. The other thought is if somebody leaves as a result of relocation or another reason or maybe they request to be removed or if they refuse to continue to give. I've heard horror stories, not because the bank account matters that much, but of people and I've talked and counseled with people, not in this church, not in these last years, praise God, who've said, well, that's fine. I'm just gonna take my tithes and go somewhere else. We'll see how you're gonna get by without my money. Oh, listen, God's got such a big pocket and he can write a bigger check than you could ever, ever pay. He'll take care of the need. Don't be a baby, be mature, amen? We've got to have that maturity in our heart. So as we've talked about how to church, I want you to consider your need for us together. And our need for one another is greater than we realize and maybe greater than you'd like to admit. If you're standing on the fence, Or you want information about starting point because you say, hey, listen, I heard that's happening uh, April 14th on a Saturday afternoon for lunch here at the church. I'd love to come. It's free. We'll have childcare. It's a a lunchtime and an hour and a half together, really, where we talk. If you say, I'm interested in that, take the step today. Do, Do something about it. Don't be atrophied, but do something about it. Get involved. Would you stand with me today? Lord, we thank you. I thank you as the shepherd of these sheep. church is healthy as a result of people choosing to be mature believers. God, I'm so thankful that I don't have to preach on a soapbox. I'm so thankful that you have done something wonderful, which we cannot deny was done by your work in your hand. Lord, thank you that you put the people in this body that are already here. And I thank you that there are those in this room that are committing to become part of this body. forward in the direction that we believe you're calling us that you would help us to stay strong to stay well exercised well fed well nourished and lord that you would continue to be glorified in everything that celebrate church does here in this city and in this metro area lord i thank you for it in jesus name and everybody said